This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi folks, I'm Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. You're listening to Every Step along the way and enjoy every second of it. Hello and welcome back to this very latest episode of Every Step Along the Way as we look back on a 2-2 draw with the Terriers, a good old Desmond for the Potters and then look ahead to Sunday's televised encounter with Hull City. So from the Terriers to the Tigers. Um, starting off then, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Michael Stockley. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, you you had the journey up to Huddersfield, was it just a pleasant journey up? You know what, actually, yeah, it was a really pleasant journey. There was not much traffic. Um, we went to, well, Joshua insisted that we went to Pizza Hut when, when we got there. A friend who hasn't actually been to Huddersfield before, around the other side of the ground is a cinema, pizza or Costa Coffee if it's ever open. Um, so, yeah, when we talk about, like, facilities, there's plenty of it there. So, yeah, uh, went in, had pizza, mate, got there about 25 minutes before kickoff. And uh, yeah, it was um, that was the highlight of the evening. I'm only, only joking; it wasn't that bad. Uh, so no, it was it was a, it was a really good game. Um, yeah, it was it, honestly it was perfect from a travel perspective. Uh, no real issues. I think somebody uh, didn't turn up for the return journey of our coach, so they must have had a very nice trip home. Um, but yeah, other than that, mate, it was uh, smooth sailing. Obviously, away from the football side. <laughs> Um, Bill, so talking about the football side, how did you feel when the team was announced? So obviously we still got no no Henry, no Vidigal, no May, no Stevens. Um, you know, obviously as well, we went to five at the back. How, how did you feel when you, when you saw the team? Well, I remember saying to you that don't be surprised because remember I mentioned it last week when we were talking about teams and I said, how do you think you you would be about going five at the back? Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I think that made sense just because of how they set up. So I won't say I was overly surprised about it because I thought he might have had half an eye on that. I mean, team-wise, the obvious area you got to look at was, was Daniel Johnson at left wing back. I mean... That baffled me a little bit. I mean, is Junior that far away that we have to play a 
attacking midfielder at left wing back. But in fairness to Dan Johnson, mate, he bossed it. He was really good. I was a bit worried that first five or ten minutes, he he clearly was trying to fi- find his way and what he should or shouldn't do. Um, but I saw the team. I mean, we we all hoped for Vidigal and Mai, but in truth, we probably didn't expect them. Um, I think it was good to see Haksabanovic uh, announced in the team. I was, again, I really rate that guy from what I've seen of him. So, yeah, really good there. Gooch, again, I was quite confident that he, he was the right man, uh, right wing back. And I think Henry's going to have a, uh, a challenge on his hands, if I'm honest with you, to get back in. So you can't really fault Gooch. I think it was the, the team most of us probably would have expected. I know everyone has their own version of which team they'd want to play. Um, but for me, Dan, I thought it was almost as you'd expect. There seemed to be a bit of uneasiness, didn't there? I know Tom from sort of our group, he was <laughs> he was worrying quite a lot about the five at the back, wasn't he? And uh, now it went free kick off. But uh, I think it actually went, I'd say, better, better than a lot of people expected. Um, like you say, Daniel Johnson played really well. I think he sort of ended up concentrating on himself further further upfield, didn't he, than, than defensively. I think that sort of you know, played to his own strengths and ended up, he ended up having quite a good game. Um, that's how I saw it anyway. He did, but he also made some really like couple of last ditch tackles. Really, when they were, were running to the box, um, especially that kind of second half. There was a I can't remember now who who it would have been, but he he'd raced back almost Ben Pearson esque and managed to slide in and stop. Well, it would have been about nine yards out and a clear shot on goal. And all our defenders and everyone was going over to him and congratulating him because he probably stopped a sure goal there. So he, for me, he was he was one who just grew into the game. The longer it was going on, the better he was doing. And obviously he scored a goal. He couldn't really miss, um, but he still had to be there in the first place. So, yeah, um, I hope he doesn't see that as being his go-to left wing back back up. I think that's a bit dangerous. Um but yeah, really, really quite impressed actually. Very nice. Well, he um, obviously we came from behind, didn't we? We saw nice, you know, nice you when know, you go behind in the game and you've straight away we hit back within. I think it was forty-three seconds. I think somebody timed that. Um, so there was a, the the throw of emotions in the away end race. So I mean, they really did not deserve to to take the lead, did they? When they did. No, and what did I say? I put it straight in the the, the group chat, didn't I? It's them bloody set pieces again. I am sick of banging on about set pieces. We are absolutely atrocious at them. Not bad. There is, In fact, there actually isn't a word to explain how crap we are. I would expect better defending at Sunday league level, mate. I don't know what we're doing in training. We're clearly not working on them because if you haven't got the height, we need to find a different way of defending them. Um, so... Yeah, they didn't deserve it. We came out, I think, really well controlled. A bit like Alex Neal said today, we controlled the entire game. Huddersfield, I'm going to be honest, really didn't impress me. Uh, I was saying to the to the guy next to me, all they were doing is playing long hoof ball, and the thought was, God, is this what we had to face with Tony Pulis at times, and is this what other people used to think about us? Now, obviously, Pulis, it works and stuff like that, but there were times when it was pretty drab football to watch. And that's all they did. Hoofed it long, hoped that we make a mistake, you know, hopefully you're going for the second ball and and feeding off that. And had we not conceded goals at set pieces, they wouldn't have scored last night because we were in in complete control. We brought the issues on ourselves yet again. 
yeah, I think it's it's like I say, it's a common thing, and uh, the amount of corners. I mean, later on in the pod, I've got some. Believe it or not, amazingly got some stats on corners, <laughs> uh, just to highlight sort of what you you're on about there. But yeah, I think if it wasn't for set pieces, they didn't really look like they were threatening too much, did they? I know Travers did have a couple of saves to make, but they were sort of shots from outside the box, and uh, he never really looked odds on that they were going to score in open play at any point. No. Um, but obviously, as well, we say we came from behind to get back level and then get ourselves in front, and obviously that's the positive side of it. The negative then is once we were in front, we've let that lead slip in yet again, another set piece. Um, mm. Just obviously the first one we talk about, the second one. The, well, I do not understand what Michael Rose is do, sort of doing with this second goal. Uh, I know there's other people as well who've, who've been putting different things, but for me, if he st- if he holds his position, then then that goal never gets scored because he's marking the guy who scores and then literally just wanders off and leaves a man in the middle of the six-yard box, dead centre on the edge of the six-yard box, to just take it, literally take a touch all the time in the world to turn, look, take about two seconds to decide which corner he's going to put it in and then score. He had all that amount of time. It was just absolutely crazy what had happened. It must be so demoralising to, to the you know to the strikers and midfielders who have you know got us as I said you know one nil down. All of a sudden we're two one up and you know everyone's on the crest of a wave. We're still putting pressure on. Uh, they brought on a I can't remember who it was now. They brought on somebody uh, and at half time it was really pacey down the left and he causes no end of problems. I think he he was obviously spotting the fact that we you know a bit of pace running at us will probably do some damage and it and it did. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I don't I don't like being really harsh on players. But was it Headley you were about? It might be Headley. Yeah, it could be Headley. But um, step overs running at us that's going to cause any team any problems. You don't even need to be the best player in, in the team for that. You know, just just pace will cause problems. But yeah, uh, Rose again. I understand why McNally replaced him when he was at Coventry. Uh, because if it's not the first time that he's been like that, some of some of the times his balls like long balls to you know the flanks and stuff, you go oh wow bloody hell you know great pass, but then as you said he goes and does something stupid like that, and then all of a sudden we've got two players going for the same people. Whether he's trying to impress so much that he's trying to do two or three different roles instead of just focusing on the man that's closest to him, um, I don't know, but I think. I want to give this defence a chance, Dan. Ben Wilmot is fine. No issues with Ben. McNally, he's okay. Rose, I'm really worried about as a backup. I think we I think they're making the manager's decision really easy in the fact that we obviously wanted a centre back before the window closed. We didn't get an, another centre back. We may just be opening up the door for that being one of our number one positions in January. Or even before, if the uh, wow. free market, if the uh, you know free market comes into effect again, um, I would I was sort of saying as well with Rose. I mean, he mentioned his distribution, and I watched him. And there was numerous times that he sort of played balls, and he wouldn't put nowhere near enough on the ball, and there were short passes into mm. like the defensive midfield area or into his other centre halves. 
you know, leaving leaving the ball short into like uh, into Wilmot or Pearson, uh, McNally, and you, and you think to yourself, you know, is he? When, when the manager said, the manager said in recent weeks, hasn't he, that we need to be braver on the ball when we're passing it. We need to be sort of taking risks and being braver, but you know, because that's the way that you end open teams up. No, you know, there's no point in playing safe. Six foot, you know, six yard side balls constantly having to have again. Someone's got to take the initiative. And I think what he interpreted that as was, um, what I will do then is I, I will play <laughs> the ball into areas where, um, like it, it, it's going to cause a problem because, because he, he very, very nearly did on numerous occasions. I thought he was very ropey with his distribution, and it was amazing, really. That, that I think against the better side, he definitely would have been punished more. Than we were, uh, we were just lucky that, that Huddersfield and open play really were struggling to create much. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely to me. I think that the, it's a quite simple thing. It's, it's Wilmot um, at the minute is streets ahead of, of the pair of them. But the McNally again is is for me. I know he's not been fantastic or perfect by any stretch, but he's definitely shown more than Rose. Um, don't get me wrong, Rose has not been abysmal, but. That's that's for me. There's a, there's a definite pecking order there. A definite one, two, three. Do you think if he goes five at the back again, which he may well do, depending on the opposition, if Stevens comes back and is fit, do you think that he potentially might put Ben Wilmot on the right, McNally in the middle, and Gooch on the left hand side of the, like a a back three? Do you, do you know what I think he might do? I think he may put Stevens because Stevens played that position for Sheffield United. I can see Stevens on the left centre back, and then I can maybe see you've got Gooch and Johnson, or maybe Shamadu and um, Gooch. Uh, we've got Shamadu and who Hoiver, Hoiver and Gooch. There's plenty of different options when people are fit. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that if he's going to go three at the back again, I can see Stevens being part of the centre back three because it just gives that natural balance as well, doesn't it, of a right and left footer. In the many bends mm. sort of shifting around a bit because we're in search of a, you know, it sort of this doesn't look naturally balanced, does it? The way it is set up at the minute. No, I don't think five at the back is going to be the, the standard. I just think there is going to be games like Huddersfield where it just calls for it. Um, and and I guess one one observation as well, Dan, that I think we were talking about the Rotherham, uh, sorry, actually talking about Huddersfield not being very pretty to watch or weren't particularly good. I would put them up there with a Rotherham. I don't think they're quite Rotherham level, but um, I think they're going to be struggling massively. I know they've obviously announced their new manager. He's, they're getting ready for, for League One, quite frankly, for me. Uh, I don't think that's an ambitious uh, management appointment either. So don't be surprised if they get relegated this year. I certainly won't be. Yeah, I think they're going to struggle, but I think they, I think they know that as well. Um I think they've had a lot of issues off the field, haven't they? And Darren Moore's a good manager, but he's out of the frying pan into the fire after dealing with the uh, the, the guy at Sheffield Wednesday and the owners there, and then moving into what you know all the turmoil that appears to be going on at Huddersfield. And the, the guy needs to get himself a, an easier job somewhere, I think. Um, but yeah, go. I mean, uh, obviously. Yeah, you know, he'll he'll crack on with that now. Warnock's left, and then he's coming in. Uh, on, on the fact of Huddersfield, let's take this opportunity now uh, to listen to our friends from. And he takes that chance. 
I mean, in a long time, uh, friends and sort of collabs with us here every step along the way. Let's listen to what they've had to say about last night's match. Hi guys, it's Richard Cosmala from the Andy Takes That Chance uh, podcast, Huddersfield podcasts. Yeah, just a little bit about last night's game, so... Yeah, my gut feel coming out of the game was that we could have won it incredibly. I think it'd been an absolute robbery, to be honest with you, and... I do think that you were the better side and you should have had the three points to be honest with you but I think your problem was Tyrese Campbell I don't know what he's working on in training next couple of days but he needs to know how to time a run shockingly uh, caught offside for them two goals that you know it's easy should have been easy to stay on side and yeah alright he set up ups up the first goal but yeah and he missed the chance at the end so I think we've got to thank him to be honest with you I thought Daniel Johnson was sensational uh, out wide we couldn't handle him I thought it was your best player uh, I thought the lad Berger who obviously got subbed off second half I thought he had a big influence on the first half but yeah I felt quite embarrassed actually when we took the lead because he looked like only a matter before you would score and then out of nowhere set piece uh, which is obviously what we're good at under Warnock Matty Pearson getting the goal and uh, yeah you deservedly come straight back at us didn't you and scored and second half you know we were much better to be honest with you but once it was a bad goal for us to concede with your set piece from the corner and I thought you were going to win it there but we uh I just wondered if it were written in the stars, to be honest with him, when we came back and uh, Ridone, we got a bit of luck with the ricochet in the box, smashed it home, and yeah, after that, you're just thinking, is it written in the stars that Warnock gets this fairytale win, and yeah, we had a couple of big chances at the end where we took a touch too many, where I thought, you know, which, well, we wouldn't have deserved it, but we nearly got the three points, but again, I thought your support were brilliant, it always is at Stoke, you always travel in great numbers uh, for a midweek game. Obviously, yeah, just stinking journey. So respect for that. And it really weird. I should know a bit more about the league table, but the way you played and, and how you looked, I honestly thought that you were in the top eight, nine. I couldn't believe it when I looked at the end and we're above you in the table, but I don't think that'll be for too long. You look like uh, a team for me on the up. So much more pace than us. But yeah, I think you'll be a bit frustrated that you didn't win that game last night. But again, I think the one-up factor were huge there. And on another day, I think you get the win. So yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, guys. Look forward to coming down to the, uh, I was going to call it Britannia then, but 365 Stadium and uh, enjoying your incredible burgers, which I love. So back to the gym work. Right, cheers, lads. Thank you for that. Yeah, so Mike, uh, just going to ask you sort of your positives and negatives takeaway. Uh, I'm just going to mention mine. So, positives. I've got, I, I know you were talking about him there, uh, you mentioned him, Tyrese Campbell. Now, I've got him actually on both positive and negative. The positive side Jeez. for me was after being, after having Wesley up front, and this isn't a dig at Wesley because this that's his game. He he is a striker. He's a four, a number nine, big number nine who likes to bring others into play. Don't he? he likes to be the one sort of putting others into goal scoring positions. It seems. I think the issue we've got is when we're looking at people like Haksabanovic, uh, even my maybe to a certain degree, Bay, you know, like Johnson, people like that who've, who've been in attacking areas. They also like to set others up rather than taking chances on themselves. So, or if that's the way they're appearing in the early days, whether that's, you know, settling in or whatever. 
So what we've ended up with, I think, the issue where we're not getting any shots away is we've got a lot of people who are trying to create for others and nobody actually wants to take the ball by the horns and get a shot in. What we saw last night with Tyrus Campbell was he had seven shots. So somebody was... He, obviously, the manager had said to him, I want you at every opportunity to get your shot away. You don't, we're not going to score goals unless we get some shots. That's your job. When you get the ball, I want you to be get you know, tunnel version, look at the goal, get some shots in. And I think he did that. And I, and I know he didn't score. And I know um, I'll get on to the weaknesses in a minute. And one of them is the fact there was only one of them shots on target. Four of them were blocked. Two of them went wide. And But that seven shots, I bet, is more than Wesley's had all season so far. Yeah, um, I think when you mentioned Wesley, I mean, when Wesley came on again, he, he I don't know, I, I, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that we're in a situation where we know how to play to his strengths, whatever they may be. Um, he didn't really affect anything for me, you know. But I'm not going to. These aren't my negatives or or positives, by the way. But uh, what you kind of in, said kind of instigated a couple of thoughts. So I was thinking about the subs, um, Juno. If I'm honest, I think he's he's definitely one for the future. If he wants to put him into these into these buckets that, that they keep banging on about, um, I don't know. He looks a little bit not a clue what to do uh, right now, which I think makes sense because again, he's probably not trained with us for for very long, a few weeks now. Uh, he's certainly not played much football uh, during that time. I think he's obviously got to get himself up to speed. So. I'm struggling to see where he's going to fit in, but maybe that's one for next season. Uh, but yeah, with with Wesley, mate, I'm a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of him. If that makes any sense, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit confused by him. Yeah, I, I, I just think that there's going to be certain games to play him, um, and it's going to. Like I said, good games like last night where you want to get your shots away. I know I sort of was saying he was might be suited last night, but actually I think we looked far better with Campbell down the middle. And I know, like I say, people criticising his, maybe he's saying he was selfish, maybe he's saying, well, he should have got, you know, be more accurate with his shooting. But the fact he was in them positions and getting in front of defenders and stuff, and I think, you know, he, he's been, when was the last time he played up front? I didn't even think he's played down the middle much, you know, barely as he since, since his injury. So, you know, timing his runs and that, I think that will come the more he does get to play down the middle. Did, did you see the shot that he had? I think it was, was it first half? Yeah, it was first half um, where he, he, he hit it and it almost went out the flipping stadium. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassingly bad. Even the Stoke fans are going, hey, like that behind us. <laughs> it's quite funny. And I felt so sorry for the guy. He's like, he's putting the effort in. When people say he doesn't put effort in, he, he does generally. Um, yeah. But, but he's he just, just he, his radar's off, that's all. Yeah, I, but I just think at this point, one goal, he's, he's a confidence player in tier, and he always has been. And I think one goal could just, if he's going to be playing in this position and he's getting these amount of chances, he probably won't get seven against other sides and whatever. But if he's you know getting himself into these positions, if he starts scoring, if he gets a goal and then gets his gets his confidence up and he's because his finishing's never really been an issue, has he? It's always there's been other stuff people have criticised him for. He's always been his finishing as his strength, so hopefully that comes back, like I say, with a bit of confidence and maybe a goal or two, and, and you know, we can go from strength to strength because he'll certainly be um, you know, a positive in this side. 
well, like I say that I'd say that was one of the positives. Negatives was also that he'd finishing and um, I'd say only one on target out of seven. If he'd got a couple more on, we probably would have probably would have won the game. Um, yeah, I, I think you'll find though, Dan, and I'll give you my positive negative in a sec. But I think you'll find, and I said this to you last week, when everyone's fit, I can see him being dropped. I really can. I, well, I, I won't be surprised. I think, yeah, I think especially in the forward area, I don't think you'll see. I think very rarely will you see the same three players start back to back games just because of how many options we've got. There's different players and there's different teams, how people set up and strengths and weaknesses in this league, home and away, the lot. And the manager, like I said, what, what you like in football is you like your forward players to be fresh. And I think you'll see where, you know, you'll have. Uh, Vidigal, Vidigal, Wesley, and uh, and uh, Mai playing one week, and then the next week you'll see uh, Mai drop out and Campbell come in, and then the week after Wesley drop out and Mai will come in, and then maybe Vidigal will drop out and Bay Bay will come in, and then a couple of them. I think that's the way that's the way it'll probably be. Is there'll be a constant just altering and changing just to keep fresh legs and keep people rest, give you know, bring them off the bench, especially in games like this where we've got, you know, we're playing the weekend, midweek, every, you know, we've got four, six, seven games in 21 days, did we say last week? There's, you know, there's no way your attackers can play and, you know, be to the best of their ability through that entire period. So the the, the key is for me is getting the uh, Vidigal and May fit, my fit, and then we can sort of go from there, can't we? And sort of, you know, mm. getting everybody firing and keeping everybody in tip-top condition. Um, do, just, do I'll, let, I'll let go on. I'll let you do just I, give your positive negative. My other positives were scored away, stopped the run of defeats. Uh, Haksabanovic, great score for player. Johnson Luke scored further forward. Uh, negatives: Pearson, his yellow card for aggressively trying to get the ball back seemed a bit. He's now suspended for Hull, which frustration. I know it just seemed a bit, a bit unnecessary, a bit petulant, possibly. Um, and now we're, we're going to have to do with him out for Hull. And uh, big capital letters here: set pieces. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, I think you've just done all of mine. So thanks very much for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you pretty, you pretty much have. I think I'd probably just elaborate on Haksabanovic, mate. He was on Outovic Mark Two, like. But with more effort, if I'm honest, or let's say prime on Outovich as opposed to more effort. That's probably a bit harsh. Um, I think Arnie could be seen as a again a bit lazy at times, but he would just just light up as soon as he got the ball to his feet. Um, Haksabanovic was all over the place, left wing, centre mid, right wing, um, crossing the ball in, dummy buddy passing, um, trying to bend things around the around the corners like. He was just every blade of grass. I'd love to see a heat map for that guy last night because it was fantastic. Um, I was, yeah, I, I generally stood there in, in awe just watching him. And I'm like, if this this is how he is, just wait till Vidigal's back and Mai's back and we've got a full strength team to choose from. I think it'll be scary if all of them click. I know it's an if, but if they do, mate, it's going to be incredible. So, yeah, just to elaborate what you said, I think he was... Brilliant, and I expect him to be another one of those where the, he's, a, he's a first name on the team sheet type of player, um, I think. So, 
yeah, uh, very good. Negative-wise, yeah, uh, one thing you didn't mention is Josh Loren. Unfortunately, I think Josh had a poor game again. Um, a few laps passes. I wouldn't say he was awful, but I don't know. It was he'd float in and out of the game, really wouldn't notice what he was doing, and then you'd notice him when he mislaid a pass. Um, just, I don't know what it is. We discussed this on Radio Stoke in the week. I, I, I'm not sure what's going on with him. Whether, again, he needs another player there, you know, even a Lewis Baker, for Christ's sake, you know, get him back fit eventually, was it October, November, whatever it is? Um, like, if we can get him back fit, he needs someone to be pushing him because I think at the minute as a captain I think he feels well he's not going to drop me and I've also got no real competition in the middle because Thompson's not going to get his place so then we're, we're struggling a bit so I don't know what it's going to take but he needs to pull his finger out because he, he's, he's not been good enough this season do, do you know what I was we were talking I mean without bigging ourselves off we were on Radio Stoke in the week and we did like I said I mentioned that we talked about Josh Loren, I think I sort of one of the things I mentioned on there was that that last season when we were playing our best football, we had very defined roles in midfield, didn't we? We had Smallbone as the creator um, with a lot of energy as well, uh, but very much on the front foot. We had Josh Loren who was doing sort of the old-fashioned box-to-box running. And you had Ben Pearson, who was doing uh, more sort of side to side work, if you like, sitting behind it and, and you know cleaning everything up, uh, winning the ball back. So, and I said sort of, you know, Berger to me is looking a little bit more. He's sort of between Pearson and Loren, and you wonder whether, you know, we were sort of missing that Will Smallbone character, and. Is Josh Loren and, and Berger, or is there actually a place for both of them, especially if we get a creator in? Now, Daniel Johnson, for me, could quite easily do what Will Smallbone did last year, and maybe even better. And if he does that, then Berger is definitely going to be the other one who's doing the, you know, the legs up and down. And obviously, Ben Pearson's going to be doing the defensive work. So that is, for me, Josh Loren. If this formation settles back down, Josh Loren could be the one who, who misses out because as goes, you know, as captain or no captain, I don't feel that he's good enough to keep uh, Walter Berger out the side for one. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think Berger did better. Yeah, he was a bit of a weak game, wasn't he, against Preston, if I remember rightly. Um, but I think, yeah, he, again, he was better. That's the type of player that's going to work so well with Haksabanovic and, and the others. I think a flair player needs another flair player around them. You think back to the Shakiris, the Arnies, the Bojans, like those guys, they they were they were intelligent and they knew what each of them were going to do. Um, so, I, I again, I... I aren't worried. I know we're 19th, whatever it is. Right? Oh, I can't remember where we are. I think we're 19th. Um, I tried not to look. Uh, but I think either way, Dan, we're, we're, we're a couple of wins from top half. Like, I, I am not worried at all in the slightest right now. Um, I just think we are, we've got the quality. We just need to find the formula and hopefully sooner rather than later. Bro. Any takeouts from the game before we move into man of the match and then leave it? 
Uh, I took out some chocolate cookies that I took on the on the on the coach. Does that count? <laughs> um, yeah, no, 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 nothing at all, mate. Uh, again, I enjoyed it. I don't know what it is about going to flipping Huddersfield. I've been twice now, and I've seen us draw twice, which is not great. So I'm never going to go again. Um, Do you no? know? I, I I went watches um, in a friendly a few years ago. I think that was a draw as well. <laughs> Why can't we be there for like the what was it four two win five Ty, two five two with Tyrese? Like, wh- why can't we have been there for that one? Oh well, <laughs> couldn't get a pass on New Year's Day. That's where it was. Yeah, um, not the only one. Um, yeah, so moving in, man of the match. Um, I'm, I'm going to call this. I, I think it's safe to say that he's, this guy's won it. Sixty six percent of the vote so far. Haksabanovic. Um, he was my man of the match as well, and yeah, he's got two thirds of the vote, uh, followed by Daniel Johnson with 22%, and Lyndon Gooch in third with 7%. Uh, There's also votes, few votes flying around for Ben Wilmot and Mark Travers, amongst others. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty fair, isn't it? One, two, three. Can't grumble that. No grumbles yet, absolutely. Uh, Player of the season is getting nice and tight, maybe because Andre Villegas has been injured for a while. Uh, but he is still first with 131 points. Ben Wilmot is second on 127, and Mark Travers is third on 125. So very, very close there. Uh, right, shall we now move into some uh, youth, women's, and news? Um, I would normally say yes, but can I just think of just something that's come back into my mind while you've been talking? Um, Dwight Gale. What the hell is that about? Um, that guy needs to be put out of his misery and let him go. Put him in under twenty ones. Go and get an under fifteens from our our youth. I don't care what it takes. I'm sorry, Dwight, but your time is done. Stop it, because the guy tries, and I know he's trying. I don't know what's wrong with the guy. I don't know what's wrong with his head or what's going on there, mate. And I don't want to be too harsh here, but with that, but I've got I've got to call what I see. It was it was painful, and I felt sorry for him because I just I don't say, what, think what, his head's there. I was going to say, what exactly did you see last night then that was um, that's upset you? It's not just last night. It's it's he's had his chance. I think what's annoying me is it's keeping the likes of Nathan Lowe and Co out. Like, what's the bloody point of taking Nathan Lowe to these games if you're not going to play the play the lad? Like Gail, he was running around and balls were bouncing off his the backs of his legs and um, decision making. I, I just, I just feel that like his head's gone, and I don't think it's kind putting him in these positions over and over again. I just think he needs a fresh start, maybe in a lower division where you know maybe in a League One or something. The guy will fire fifteen, twenty goals in, you know, at a different level. I just genuinely think we're in, we're at the point where it's actually quite cruel to keep putting him in this situation because honestly, Dan, the fans around me, as soon as he came on, it was moans, groans, grumbles. You could hear it, and he must feel that right. He, he can't be oblivious to how it feels. I just think it's cruel. Do you know what he could do? With? You don't, they don't do it anymore, but he, the old-fashioned like month out on loan. You know, you could yeah. just be able to send players out for like a month on loan, couldn't you? Or two months on loan. You could just like say, go to somewhere, start five, six games, bag, hopefully bag himself three, four, five goals, 
get in and then come back and yeah you know, with a bit of, with confidence and stuff and he'll probably feel like a different player but it does it does appear to me at the minute that he's a bit of a rut isn't he like and but like I say by continuing doing as he's doing never changing it um the surroundings don't change you know the, the situation doesn't really change for him whatever it's not it, nothing else. His performance is his luck more than anything isn't changing, is it? You know, just, nothing just seems to roll for him. Um, poor guy. So, yeah. No. mate, he, he's he's been here since twenty twenty two, right? He's he's played thirty eight games and he's scored three goals. And two of them Yeah, I just yeah, I just think we're in the point now. We've we've tried that experiment over and over and over again. It's not working. Let the guy go if he even wants to actually go. He might be happy just to take his money and sit and sit there. Um, he doesn't come across as a player who would do that. But I just think, yeah, when when his contract expires, let him go. Let him go and try and enjoy the last couple of his years of his career. Um, and we need to be playing the likes of Nathan Lowe. I said to you last week, Dan, I'd rather Nathan Lowe come on and fail and do exactly what Dwight Gale's doing, knowing that he'll learn from it rather than Dwight not going to be learning from anything now. He's just going to be seeing out his contract. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's what's annoying me about Dwight Gale. Not necessarily his, I don't know, it, not not his mentality, not his attitude, not his work rate. It's, it's just no longer there, I'm afraid. It's a shame. Fair enough. Well, talk about Nathan Lowe and under-18s. Uh, I think we will now move into the uh, youth setup. So under 18s, Mike, they've got a win. They've We've had a really, really rough time with these sides at the start of the season. But the lads, the under 18s, they went to Everton last Saturday and they won. So, uh, yeah, Freddie Anderson, uh, son of Viv, summer signing, I think, from Arsenal, I believe. Um, yes, yeah, centre half, he went and put us ahead. Just after the hour mark, Ali Hayder scored a penalty in the 84th minute to double the lead. Uh, Everton pulled on back with three minutes to go just to make for a bit of a nervous finish. Uh, but the lads did well and they saw it out. First one of the season. We are now 10th out of 12th in the league. And this week we host Derby. 11am kickoff on Saturday at Clayton Wood. So with the Potters playing on Sunday, if you want a bit of a Saturday, Today football fix. Get yourself down to Clayton Wood, 11 a.m. and uh, yeah, watch us uh, watch the under 18s play Derby. Uh, the under 21s they didn't have a game this week, so they didn't lose either. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> but this week uh, they do have a game, and it's it looks on paper to be quite a tough one. They are at home to Tottenham Hotspur uh, the Monday night at 7 p.m. That was also at Clayton Wood. So you, again, if you've got your Stokes, if you've watched the under 18s on Saturday, you've watched the first team on Sunday, and you've still want some more Stoke. Uh, of course, you've been to watch the women Sunday afternoon as well, and then get yourself down to Clayton Wood Monday evening and watch us play Tottenham in the under 21s. Now it's a big old league, the under 21s league this year. It's one big division, and it's 26 teams in it. We are currently 24th after a few games, so looking to climb up. I think the top 16 go into like uh, the next stage, if you like. So hopefully we can get ourselves a few wins and get ourselves in the top 16. Uh, the women, so they also won. They beat Wolves 2-1 at home last week. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, what a wood. Fantastic. So Heidi Logan is in the first half, and then Saffron Jones in after half time um, gave the ensured the points for the uh, the Potters. And uh, yeah, to the manager, so Marie Horahan, she made four changes to the side that had played the previous game. And they came through, like I say, two goals to one. Um, second home win from three home games this season. So a bit like the first uh, the first men's first team in the men's side, the uh, getting some getting some good home form going, which is always nice, isn't it? In front of your own supporters. At least uh, somebody's this, winning, eh? <laughs> yeah. So this week it's eighth versus ninth in that division as we travel to Stourbridge Ladies on Sunday with two PM kickoff. Uh, Stourbridge ninth in the league and Stoke are eighth. So, yes, nice equal clash, it looks like. Hopefully we can get uh, back-to-back victories. So, what we promised you last week, I promised you a lonely roundup, didn't I? And we have. So, thank you to Callum, who's a Solihull Moors um, supporter. He has sent us this on Tommy Simkin and his start to life in the National League with Solihull Moors. Hi everyone, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, as for Tommy Simkin, uh, for, from a Solihull Moors sort of perspective, I remember he came in as a um, a trialist and he did quite well in pre-season matches. Um, obviously it's a bit different going into league competition and I myself was a little bit curious as to how he would sort of adjust to fifth tier level but honestly he's actually adjusted very very well um you know for an 18 19 year old goalkeeper to already be commanding his penalty area the way he does he controls the back four well back three five sorry um extremely well you know and that's very rare to see especially at that age um obviously the other positive um, for him as well is obviously he saved the penalty this season he's kept a handful of clean sheets he's been part of a side that are you know 10 matches and beaten in the National League and it's just absolutely brilliant to see um, you know he has flaws I think there's a couple of times where he has made a few errors um, coming for crosses as well and dropping them a couple of times you know, and it, they're just basic errors that will improve by game time, really. There's nothing actually critical I can come on here today and actually say about him because he's not in any way, shape or form a bad goalkeeper. He's actually a massive upgrade on Ryan Boot that we had last year. And obviously Boot, don't get me wrong, is what was one of the best goalkeepers in the division, you know, just two seasons ago. Um, Sim Kim will go far, in my personal opinion. I know there's a few solid fans that have said that he will play for England one day. Um, genuinely, I think he will play in the Premier League one day and could push for England because he his presence in goal at such a young age and his, you know, his ability already is literally second to none. I'm extremely excited for the start. I'm excited to see what I've seen so far. And genuinely, I am really happy with the progress he's naturally making and by the end of the season he's going to be arguably one of the most important players in this squad and that's a that's praying that Stoke obviously don't recall him because I think he will go very far I think you've got an outstanding young goalkeeper on your hands I'm really happy with him I can't thank you guys actually enough for letting him come here he's just yeah obviously Solio fans rave about him and for every right and every reason he's brilliant um, and I know sometimes people say oh he's brilliant he's brilliant he's this and that when they're a bit overreacting genuinely this time I mean it I couldn't say 
I couldn't sing his praises any higher, basically. You know, thank you guys for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Um, as always, you know, I'm happy to do this once again. I think Simkin has had a fantastic start. Here's my continue and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, lads. Cheers for that, Colin. Thank you very much. Uh, very promising there, Mike. You know, you think uh, talk of the uh, the old three lines badge in the future years. Eight, you know, eighteen years old, got the best de- best defense in the in the uh, division at Solihull. They, you know, they're in the in the top sort of two or three as well, looking for promotion to the football league. He's um, he's really started really well, there, hasn't he? And um, long may it continue. Well, yeah, we've talked about loans a lot on this podcast over the years, and I think one of the things we've always said is, you know, there's, I'd say there's probably more negative loans sometimes than positive ones. Uh, obviously, this falls into the positive camp, and you know, we we talk about you know the quality of goalkeepers that we've got currently. Yes, we're happy with Travers, but then people obviously aren't happy with with Blondie and Bonham and people like that. It's really, really good that we've got a young goalkeeper who's going to potentially make a, a name for himself. He's clearly doing it at international level. He's being recognised. He's obviously doing it where he is now. So I guess the idea with him is let him see out this, you know, this season out on loan. Maybe, I mean, I'll be 19 maybe by the time he comes back. Is he one that all of a sudden replaces, um, you know, is he going to be the number three? And they might keep him around the squad and, uh, you know, the the old Frankie Fielding, the the phantom ghost, maybe it's a replacement for him after this season. You never know. Well, I suppose the thing is, actually, he's only 19 as well, which is amazingly young for a goalkeeper to be playing any kind of professional men's football. He's sort of, you know, very often it's early 20s, isn't it, before goalkeepers start playing first team and I think you know he's a number he's, three though Dan I mean the number three ain't gonna play is he let's be honest Frankie Field is not no, no, just, I, no sorry I mean like the, the fact he's currently getting games out at Solihull he's, he's sort of ah. getting a step ahead of a lot of other goalkeepers in his age isn't he uh, the fact that he's like say there aren't can't be many you know 18 19 year old goalkeepers who are, who are currently playing national league level or above um, and like I say I think I think I say see out this season probably at Solihull. He may even get promoted. He may even get into. And that's probably if he did get into League Two, it would make sense for him to go back there again next year, wouldn't it? And I think as well as as much as to be number three keeping around the squad sounds good. I still think if you can get him a competitive loan at a good side who are, where he's going to get good experience and be up a level to where he is now next year I think that does make sense uh, because like I say as a goalkeeper you've got a lot of time to to uh, develop him uh, like I say if, if it is it's three years four years down the line and he's 21-22 before Stoke start putting him in the first team that's to me that, that with regards to goalkeeper that's not the end of the world is it's all um, and it's probably very much you know it's still quite young for a keeper Um for me, I, I like the fact that he's, he's got good experience here. I think he's doing the world of good by the sounds of it. And, um, yeah, I did have a, a chat with Callum as well, just uh, sort of other than that recording and that. And I just said, you know, I, I would, it'd be interesting how he reacts to mistakes. And he says there was one. Um, he, he came for a cross and he dropped it in and he you know, very nearly conceded, he says. And then within uh, 20 minutes, he pulled off three fantastic saves 
So I was like, well, that that's really positive as well, isn't it? That he, you know, sounds like he didn't dwell on that mistake, and he's you know he's got his head screwed on to to have an impact in a positive way straight away. Yeah, want to keep an eye on mate, hundred percent. It's nice yeah. to nice to see a, a young a young lad coming through. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, Sol Sadibu. Actually, I just thought Sol Sadibu's not been in the team recently, has he? No, um, I actually I, think I can see him coming back maybe into the side. Now Ben Pearson suspended against uh, Hull. I can see him being back on the bench um, at the weekend. Yeah. But yes, uh, just into a few news things. So it's got a couple of things. Kevin Russell obviously left in the summer, didn't he? Uh, left his role when they set up at Stoke. He's now the interim manager at Cheltenham after Wade Elliott was relieved of his duties this week. And Cheltenham got one point from eight games, sit bottom of League One. Uh, so Kevin uh, Rooster Russell has got a bit of a bit of a job on there, Auntie, to try and turn things around. Although he will see one familiar face from his time at the uh, I say with the youth team at Stoke in that Will Goodwin is at Chel- is at Cheltenham. So. Uh, yeah, he's uh, I'd say one person we all know at least. But yeah, so good luck, good luck to uh, the rooster there. Uh, and the other bit of news that we've had this week is Devante Cole's been linked with a move to Stoke, uh, amongst I must say amongst four, five, six other Championship clubs who are sniffing around him as well. Uh, but yeah, he's a uh, Barnsley son of Andy Cole. Um, obviously, plays up front for Barnsley, former Manchester City academy graduate, and. Uh, he scored a hat trick against Port Vale on that seven uh, 0 victory on the opening day of the season. Sign him so, up. So he's uh, yeah, indeed himself to state fans already, hasn't he? <laughs> Five year deal, fifty grand a week, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, would you do? You, do you think we maybe need some gold, big bustling gold machine down the middle in January? Not in January, no. Not unless these other players are striking out. Maybe Tyrese, if he doesn't want to sign his contracts and somebody comes in for him, a replacement for him. I mean, in theory, we should have plenty of attacking options. Although I say that, and I've just criticised Dwight Gale coming on. So, but he's one. Of, he's not a player that's going to sit on the bench. I don't think for me. So it's almost you can't have that many starting strikers. So, can it happen in January? No, not at all. Uh, I think we're by the looks we're going to need a centre back and a couple of the positions if we're going to go into the market. So Dan, answer the question: No, not in January. Maybe in the summer if he hasn't been snapped up. Yeah, I think there's. I'd say there's probably half a dozen other Championship clubs who've been linked, and if they are genuine links and Stoke's a genuine link, which puts all the cards on the table and decides where he's going, you can see him probably thinking he's going to get more game time elsewhere. Uh, there's probably other clubs after him who haven't got the amount of you know forward options that we have, so I can probably see him prioritising a move elsewhere uh, if, if that's the case. Uh, any other business before we move into the uh, the whole game? Do you um, have you seen the news about the Pottery Shopping Centre store? What the fact is a dump or? Uh, well, no, oh, you're on about, this, you're on about this, the club shop. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that that was uh, that's going to be closing down. So that's one more nail in the coffin of Hanley. Um, so it's closing down in March uh, of next year. Uh, we, the club have said it's commercial reasons. Um, so they're going to contract. They're going to um, concentrate. Sorry, on the 
shop at the Bet365 Stadium and the online side, uh, but they're not ruling out pop-up venues when necessary in the future. It's it's going to be like um, you know the the fan zone. They'll probably have them pop up at fan zones outside. Um, but I think that Dan that says everything. I mean, they say that's a, it's a very you know commercial way of saying that that building is not profitable for Stoke. Um, and every time I've gone in, there's, there's never anyone in there. You, you know, sometimes you'll get one or two people in there. So um, it's not profitable. People buy online anymore. If they don't buy online, they wait until they go to the club shop uh, to, you know, during a match day to go and get what they want. Uh, whereas, you know, there's, there's, let's be honest, there's a lot more selection. It's a lot bigger. It's a lot easier to find the stock you need when it's, there's always limited sizes, it feels anyway. So not surprised. And yeah. Again, football's crap. Sorry, football is crap as we've uh, been discussing privately. Um, up Hanley, having visited the other week, or not be going back. Um, so it's a shame, really. But that's the end of the Stoke shop. There was one in Newcastle that closed down. There was one in Hanley, which was always there. That's closed down. So the state of retail. One in Stafford, I think, as well as the Stone Bay. Something like that, and that's that's gone. So, I it I don't blame Stoke for doing it. If it's not profitable, they've got to do it. But, um, and, and other, the other news, by the way. So I, I was wanting to mention this uh, to make sure. So when this is obviously going out, goes out Friday morning. Just as a reminder, me and Dan are meeting John Rudge on Sunday. Um, we have a number of questions that have come through on the website. So it's um, ESATW, so the initials of the podcast, with every step along the way. Uh, and it's .co.uk. So if there's any questions that anybody else has got from, you know, obviously if, if you've grown up through the 90s, et cetera, you would have, you know, seen Rudgy, you would have seen good John Thordeson, um, Boss Campira, et cetera. If there's any questions, anything you want us to give to him, make sure you go to the website because I'm only accepting questions on there to to save my sanity so um please just go and add them on and then we'll ask john uh directly on sunday when we record the pod and uh, when did we discuss that going out dan yeah so uh fr- obviously this podcast that you listen to now has landed on the friday uh for the whole game that's placed on sunday on monday you will uh, have your bournemouth podcast that's is for the game the cup game that's being played on wednesday on Wednesday morning will be the John Rudge episode, uh, podcast will come out. And then on next Friday, you'll have the match for next weekend, which we've got that much on between now and then. I, off the top of my head, I cannot think who we're playing next weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think it's we're one of things a difficult game. <laughs> we're, we're just in autopilot at this point, so uh, you have to forgive us. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so please just make sure you get the questions on there. We've had some really good questions. I would say six or seven uh, are there, and Dan's going to be doing some uh, research uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, it's going it's to be really good. Again, as someone who loved that era, the Thornton era um, and all that, um, I can't wait to meet John and, and, uh, and have, a, have a few questions. Bristol City next weekend. That's ah, it. That's the one. Uh, but yes, yes, get your questions in. Obviously, the more the merrier. The um, if you've ever want, if you've ever had any wonder queries or anything, wanted to know anything, I'm sure John will uh, will answer quite any questions that we put to him. 
within reason, of course. I, well, I, I want to ask him a very direct question around Gudjon Thordeson and how he took the reception of being sacked after uh, getting his promotion, because no doubt they spoke. So hopefully John will be forthcoming with that question, because I can't imagine good John would have been too pleased. So, um, But yes, uh, we'll, we, we're not afraid to ask the difficult questions. We can't guarantee he's going to answer them, but we will, we will ask him. <laughs> right, let's have a look at Hull City. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Mike, Hull City, Sunday, midday kickoff. The delight of an early midday kickoff. Uh, would you like some stats to kick us in? Go for it. So, 74 times we played the Tigers. We've got 34 wins, 20 draws, and 20 defeats. At home, though, we've played them on 38 occasions and 21 wins, 11 draws, and just the six losses. So, a very good record uh, at home. In recent years, We've had no home league loss since 2006. Bloody hell. Yes. In fact, our last season's nil-nil draw at the Bet365 Stadium ended a run of seven straight home wins for Stoke in the league against Hull. What's that all about? (laughs) Um, uh, Yes, so... We've also got, uh, with the last four games we've played against Hull, we have conceded a grand total of zero goals. Four consecutive clean sheets, which is another fantastic record that I'm amazed we've got. This is <laughs> sounding too positive, Dan. I don't like it. Don't, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to even itself out soon. <laughs> so Alex Neal versus Hull. He's played. He's managed against Hull on nine occasions. Five wins, two draws, two defeats. Uh, and he's only lost one of five home games against Hull. Uh, Alex Neal versus uh, Liam Rossini, who is obviously the uh, manager at Hull City. They just have the one game, which was played last season, the aforementioned nil-nil draw at the back 365. Uh, so, yeah, one game, one draw between those two. Uh, and also, obviously, Rosinha in his first post in management, so his record against Stoke is also just that one game last season, that nil-nil draw. Stoke's home record this season, played five, won four, lost one, 13 scored, five conceded. Uh, sounds good record. Um, not so good when you decide that in the league, two wins, one defeat, scored five, conceded three. And in the League Cup, we've actually scored eight times in just two matches. So a lot of them goals come in the, uh, the League Cup games. However, Hull City's away record, played three, won two, lost one. They've won one nil away at Leicester and 2-1 away at Blackburn, uh, with the defeat coming 
a 2-1 defeat at Caro Road against Norwich on the opening day of the season. Uh, set pieces now. Now we're talking. Now you want to leave me out of it. <laughs> to positive news. So Stoke have conceded a league high six set piece goals, four corners, one free kick, and a penalty so far this season, which equates to sixty seven percent of the goals we've conceded. Bloody hell! Have come from corners, free kicks, all that penalty. However, we've scored off three corners ourselves, which puts us in the top six for goals scored um, off set pieces. Hull have scored off two set pieces, but they were both at home, so they scored none away. Uh, They've conceded two of their seven goals uh, from set pieces as well. So, you know, that's not not particularly great record either. Um, You know, a third of their goals have come from, from, like I say, corners. It's not, but to say that we've conceded six of our goals from set pieces, having only played seven bloody games, that yeah. you can't let that go throughout the season. Oh my god! For how some t- tight these games are, that will literally lose you games on a regular it's, basis. It's even more amazing when you listen to the following stats. Listen to this: so only Bristol City and Southampton have conceded less corners per game than Stoke. 3.86. Only Middlesbrough, Sunderland and Southampton have won more corners per game than Stoke, 6.71. So that's how we get an average of 6.71 corners in our favour, which is only like bet by three sides, and there's only two sides who concede less corners than our 3.86. At home, we have an average of 8.67 corners a game, and we conceded just four corners in three home games this season, which is the best. No team averages more for them, and no no team concedes less at home than us. Uh, Hull have been so moving on from set pieces now. Hull have been uh, behind away from home for just seven minutes this season in their entire campaign. Um. They've also uh, they've beaten their points total after seven games. This their highest points total, sorry, after seven games for the last seven years. So they've had their best start for seven seasons. At Huddersfield is the first time this season that Stoke have gone behind and managed to equalise in the game. Uh, with five times we've gone behind, so five different games we've gone behind. This is the first time we managed to get ourselves back level during the match. Uh, whilst Hull have gone behind four times a season and been and come back to equalise on three of those occasions, and one stat to th- to uh, just end with: forty nine percent of Hull's shots at goal this season have come from outside the penalty box. Only Watford, with fifty percent, have got a higher percentage of shots from out of uh, shots that have come from outside the box. Stoke are eighteenth in that table with thirty two percent. Hmm, okay. Um, I'm I think Mark feeling Travers on the negative side there. That. I think Mark Travers will be up for that. He do, yeah, I think he's quite a good Lindsay and um, you know, coming shots coming in from distance. I don't think you'll fear that favour. No, leave it to Travers <laughs> rather than Rose, I think, eh? Yeah. Um, some referee stats for you. 
it's not much to give talk about tonight because the referee actually, do you know when the referee just just out of point when the referees were all given out at the weekend? Uh, sorry, on uh, so Monday this week, the other Sunday game had officials, and all the Saturday games, then the Mondays and everything were all had officials. The only game that didn't was Stokes. It said to be confirmed. It wasn't for another 48 hours before we actually had a ref. So I don't know what that was all about, whether it was sort of a fitness thing for who they wanted to do it or what. But the referee... It, go on. Sorry, sorry, no, I was going to say, maybe they, they, they were going to have the same referee that pulled his hamstring in the first half against Huddersfield. <laughs> maybe it was going to be him and they're like, even though he's going to be yeah, fit. We never mentioned that, did we? <laughs> we, we? We certainly didn't, but it was quite ironic. He, he literally, he was... I didn't realise what was happening. He, he he made the signal to just you know to basically make a make a swap, and I was like, "But there's no players on the side of the pitch. What the hell are you on about?" I look away for three or four seconds, and then there's literally no referee. There's the, we've got a linesman out, and that was it. And I was like, "What the hell's going on?" Uh, and then I realised what had gone on. It was um, it's a shame as well. He was letting a lot go. Sorry, carry on. I know. Yeah, it's funny because obviously I was watching on the red button on Sky, and the commentator went. Ah, well, this is a new thing this season. Uh, we're having drinks breaks. Uh, I didn't realise we were going to have one tonight. It doesn't seem that hot out there. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> no, and it wasn't. Like, and then he's like, oh, no, I think there's an injury to the referee. <laughs> Poor guy, I didn't know what was going on. Um, yes, but the referee, is, his name is Thomas Brammel. So uh, he's one of the new new guy referees. 90 games he's refed in his career, 268 yellows. 12 red cards in 90 matches. Feels a bit high, that one, for me. Ooh, yeah. um, and 15 penalties, so a penalty every six matches. Um, so he's been 40 home wins, 25 draws, and 25 away wins. So I like those odds. Uh, he's refed Hull six times, two yellows, no reds, no, no penalties. Four times they've won, one draw, one defeat. Last season, he refed them in a 1-1 draw at home to Huddersfield. Now, he's ref Stoke once before. He gave us two yellows, no reds, no penalties. We won the game. The only game he has refed of Stoke City before was, bear in mind, this game is being played on, what, the 24th of September? He mm-hmm. refed us on the 25th of September, 2021, a 2 0 home win against Hull City. Ooh. <laughs> so okay, I'll take it. One day off the two year anniversary of the only other game he played, which is the exact same fixture. So, uh, yeah, it's quite quite interesting there. And uh, this season he's refed three games. Uh, sorry, he's refed three games, including Liverpool v Bournemouth, where he sent off Alex McAllister. Uh, which Alexis McAllister, uh, and the red card was overturned. Even former referee David Gallagher on his on Sky Sports News um, ref review show that he does on a Monday and said it was like a, a terrible decision, you know, a bad decision that needed overturning. And yet the both players sort of went. I don't know if you can remember the incident, Mike, but both players sort of went in with the feet high for a sort of a bouncing ball. And um, I think they sort of just sort of clash feet together, and he sent him off for a high foot. And obviously the, the FA looked at it and sort of they overturned it straight away because literally the ball was six foot off the ground. So of course the feet are going to be high. <laughs> Are they trying to win it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to be thinking like caught him on like the ankle, and there's like, well, if you catch somebody on the ankle when your feet's on the floor, it's not a high challenge, is it? 
So, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, so hopefully he's learned from that and doesn't go flashing any red cards around for, for perfectly good challenges at the weekend. <laughs> well, it's something with uh, Ben Pearson. <laughs> well, no, well, Ben Pearson won't be there, will he, unfortunately. Uh, on this day, so I've consulted my book, Richard Murphy, Stoke City on this day, uh, my little lower there, and uh, guess what? It's a bit of a monumental day. I thought we were going to have one, you know. If it was being played on Saturday, it was all about John Rudge. <laughs> no <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was about, uh, obviously, we, it was the first Pottery's Derby in 32 years on the 23rd of September 1989. Uh, John Rudge brought his Port Vale side to the Victoria ground um, with former Stoke trainee Robbie Earl, but we had a sort of attended in a draw. Um, so then I thought, oh, that's that thing. And then I was like, oh, actually, it's, it's you know, we're on the Sunday, are we? So we moved on to the 24th. Uh, and actually, it's quite a bit of a monumental day in this club's history. So, Monday, the 24th of September, 1883, crowd of around 3,000 turn up to witness the first match at the newly named Victoria Ground. So, 1 1 draw against Great Lever. So, it's the first game at the Victoria Ground. But it doesn't stop there because the game also saw Stoke adopt a new kit of red and white stripes and white <laughs> shorts, having previously played in blue and black striped shirts with white shorts and then in claret shirts and white shorts after that. Oh, so, what thinking? So if you think about it, 24th of September, like I say, day, on this day, doesn't get more and more bigger than that, does it? It was the first game in the Victoria ground and the, uh, the first time we wore red and white shirts. Yeah, bloody hell! Yeah, I like that. I wonder when when they did this. Obviously, must have, was it was it Stoke Ramblers when we when we first kicked off years ago? When if I imagine started, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think like where the colour came from. I'm guessing it's something to do with Stoke Ramblers back in the day. Um, might, I'm sure somebody might. listening to this knows. I certainly don't. But I wonder. I wonder if they all. I mean, I don't know. I'm just sort of hypothesising. But I wonder if like. Well, they had the founding members of the football league. Whether each one was sort of given a, a different strip, if you like, like assigned a yeah. colours. Come on, somebody out there must know that. There must be some uh, people which, respectfully, are older than me and Dan, um, who who must I'm know. Quite uh, old enough to have been there. And he, 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 <laughs> no, that. but you know, we'll have grand, you know, grandparents and mums and dads that would have spoken to them about something like that um but yeah either way if anybody does know um please tweet us um or send us a, de- a dm i'd actually really like to know where the uh the color stripes uh came from to be honest you know what if we don't get anything by the weekend i'll have a look for you ready for next next friday's podcast if we Perfect. don't get anything by then so uh yes moving down to the whole game let's have a listen we're going to start off some audio and then we'll work down from there. So first of all, we've got Graham McGarry, and then we've got Andrew Gray's from the the whole, whole City podcast. So take it away, Graham. Hello there, you Potters predictors. You got your point on the road earlier in the week at Huddersfield Town. A couple of goals scored as well. 
So that finally ends that run of not having scored away from home. Now, can you build on a Sunday lunchtime game against Hull City? You've got one of the meanest defences in the Championship as well. Only a couple of teams have conceded less than their seven goals this season. They also were involved in a draw this week, but it was a goalless draw against Leeds United. And under Liam Rusinia, they've got a good manager who definitely knows how he wants his team to play. So it's going to be a tough afternoon again for Stoke, but hopefully the Potters fans will be patient and get behind their team and try to get Alex Neal's side a much-needed three points so they can claw those way up towards a mid-table position and things will look a lot better coming up to the next few games. But at the moment, it's all focused on Sunday lunchtime, Stoke at home to Hull City. I think we might have got the prediction right, you know, the other night when it ended 2-2 against Huddersfield and Neil Warnock's final game. Well, I'm going to go for just a slender Stoke home win. Stoke one, whole nil. Hi guys, it's Ant from the To Hull and Back podcast. Um, giving you a quick preview of our season so far. Um, it's it, it's been a good good season so far. To be fair, I think um, realistic aims for us this season was to be looking at you know safely in in mid table, perhaps top ten, um, maybe outsiders for the playoffs kind of thing and. Um, with the progress we made last season under Rosinia, you know how how he turned us around defensively and how he made us hard to beat. Um, uh, and if we weren't for injuries, I think we'd have probably done a slightly better than what we did. Uh, but this season, you know, we've assembled a good squad, um, a squad that Rosinia wanted. Um, obviously, in, he inherited a side last season from Avaladze, so you know, trying to incorporate his playoff from the back style with somebody else's players, and 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 did well with it. So this season, you know, he's brought in some really good signings, people like Scott Twine, Jaden Philogene, who's who's looked brilliant in the two games he's played. Aaron Connolly scoring goals, us and two fans scoring goals. Um, you know, we've got Jacob Greaves back in the starting lineup. Exciting signings like Ruben Vinagre. Um, it's just, you know, add, add that to the core from last season. You like to John Michael Surrey, uh, Alfie Jones, Regan Slater. Um, and then and then Liam Delap, who's who's been absolutely fantastic for us um, and is probably arguably our player of the season so far. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been good. Um, we, we, we scored every single game we played in, barring the one uh, we played last night against Leeds. Um yeah, but we've looked much better offensively this season than we did last season. Um, still a little um, suspic- uh, suspect at the back, sorry. Um, we've only kept a couple of clean sheets so far this season, so um, they're still sort of learning that new shape that Rosini is playing this season. It's more like a 4-2-3-1. Um, but at the minute, I would say probably some players to look out for for us would be the likes of Tufan. You know, he's on four goals already. Aaron Connolly's on four goals. Uh, Delaps on two, but he he brings more than just goals. He's he's hold up play and his ability to to you know bring two defenders to him and turn them and run down the line has been fantastic. Uh, Seri, the conductor in the middle, um, absolutely brilliant, and then Greaves and Jones at the back just been outstanding partnership. Um, so we, we've got a lot of dangerous players in our squad. Um, the 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 clubs in heading in the right direction. The fans, the ownership, the players. We all seem to be on the same page. Um, we're in an upward trajectory, so it's like you know, um, at the minute there's just positivity everywhere, and I, there's a belief that this side can definitely be challenges for the playoffs this season. Um, if we can just find a bit of consistency in the 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 attacking side of things, I mean we only lost one game this season. That was the opening day against Norwich, so we are six unbeaten. 
Uh, and then overall in Rosini's time since being appointed last November, we've only lost seven times in just under 40 games. So, yeah, we, we, we're hard to beat. And I think he's going to try and keep that style this season. Um, but, yeah, no, we're, we're looking forward to this game. I think it'd be a really tough game. Uh, Stoke away always is. Um, you know, it's the old cliche, isn't it? It's just not a, not a Tuesday night in Stoke. It's a Saturday. Uh, no, Sunday, sorry. Um, I'm going to go for a... I'm going to go for a 2-1 hull win. I rarely predict us to win at Stokes. <laughs> we must be doing okay. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Graham. Cheers, Anne. Thank you very much for that. Um, interesting around uh, sort of the... The team there, he says. Obviously, I think uh, uh, obviously the uh, the main man's back in the midfield for them. Into too far, he's uh, sort of back as Ants just said. There, do, do you think he can sort of be a big influence on this fixture? Mike? Is he still somebody you're going to worry about, especially with Pearson not being about? Mm, yeah, I think quite quite possibly, Dan. Um, I'm worried about Pearson being out in general, but I don't think you know he's. he's quality player from from the bits that I've seen I won't be claiming to be an expert but yeah I would Jordan Thompson is obviously going to be the player that's going to come in for, for Pearson um, I do worry about the mobility of Jordan Thompson if I'm honest with you so yeah I would say that we need to keep a very close eye on him uh, because if we don't he's probably going to punish us to be honest so yeah not ideal Dan yeah, I think he can pull the strings and he's also got a decent exactly. sort of shot on him. And honestly, I think like I say forty nine percent of the shots outside the box. I reckon he's contributed quite a few of them. Um he scored a couple of goals onto this season. But for me, I say Thompson there instead of Pearson. I think what we've got to try and do, we've got to try and dominate the ball, haven't we? We've got to try and make sure that we are the ones, you know, keeping a lot of the possession. Um because we we've not got that sort of Dominator in the midfield there. We've not got the destroyer to go and to go and win the ball back. So we need to make sure we're not being sloppy with it and giving it away when we do have it. Um hopefully, I mean Tom's you know, Thompson on his day, he has got a decent performances in him. He's also can be very, you know, very um sort of, you know, very pretty and very good on the ball. So hopefully, you know, he, he can sort of you know have one of those good days that we could do with it. Um, anyone you think is in need of a rest? Anyone sort of rotation-wise? Obviously, three games in a week. Burger, maybe, but my my concern is we, depends. It depends on the fitness of my and Vidigal. I know we keep banging on about him, but the it, it, the options that they bring with their versatility, I think, changes things. Um, I would say Burger maybe needs a bit of a rest. He's a lot of running around his first year in the actual, uh, obviously, the actual league itself. So Josh Loren again is somebody that I would rest if we had good enough options. I think most people would at the minute. So no, I think over. I mean, I'll give I'll give him a team in a bit, mate. But um, I think we're a bit limited on who we can rest at the minute. If I'm honest. Yeah, I think especially midfield options, like I say there, that mm. we've got too many. Unless Johnson sort of you know changes where he's playing and he can maybe come into the midfield to give the option of, of resting slash dropping Laurent or even Berger. Um, other than that, I don't see, I can't see him throwing a Sadibi in. So I think we, with, uh, with Pearson out as well, we're probably struggling, aren't we, there? Um, Sky midday kickoff. What, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on being at uh, 
been down the Bet365 Stadium for about 11 o'clock on the Sunday morning. Um, well, for me and you, it makes it's perfect timing, actually, because of the interview. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so thanks for that, Stoke. Um, you know what? No, it, it doesn't bother me. I, we never do very well when we're on TV. That's my problem with, with buddy televised games. Um so I, I must. I'm, I'm not really bothered. It gives me my entire day to recover from the defeat. So I really don't mind. I'm only joking. I'm, I'm not going to go for a defeat. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I'm not really bothered, that bothered, Dan. To be honest with you, it's just convenient for me and you. That's all. That's all. I'm looking at it. I don't think we necessarily play any better or worse by the middays. I don't read any of that into it. I know some people are superstitious, but uh, I think it's irrelevant to be honest. Have you booked yourself in for a Sunday roast to? Um... Oh, you commiserate, commiserate slash celebrate. Well, mate, no? if you if your missus is cooking, I'm there. I am there. Uh, turkey for me, please. No veg. <laughs> watch a few of them. Watch a few of them <laughs> in the game. Um, so Liam Delap. No, can't, can't not mention Liam Delap, can we? I mean, mm. answers are there. That for him, Liam Delap's their player of the season so far. He's uh, he's done exactly as I sort of said I thought he would do. He's used his time at Stoke and Preston to develop himself at our expense. <laughs> and now he's going to show what he actually can do this season, which I think we we um, appear to have got him one season too soon. And how much is he going to want to score against us? He's going to have a blinder, isn't he? <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's just going to want to score against us. I think he probably is going to score against us. Yeah, he can see him almost cupping his ears or putting his fingers on his lips or something to the uh, home fans. Although I actually don't think we were very, we weren't abusive to the guy at all. Um, his, his supporters. I, mean, I just think it was a lot of grumbles and moans every time he, you know, missed a sitter. He sacked his father. Might have someone said. Have someone said about that. Well, maybe, but he clearly was part of the problem, wasn't he? Um, if you no, well, believe what the club believe, I, I, I may, I love Rory. Without without him, we would not have been where we were. So I've never got a thing against him. I think he's just part of the clearance since he and the new vision, new, new structure. But yeah, as I said, I think I he's only, going to come back and haunt us. Yeah, I was, I was only joking. I was just uh, tongue in cheek. But I think he's, as I say, he was. Um... We've cleared out more than just Roy De La Wanted. There's nothing personal. I think the manager, oh yeah, anybody, anybody who he could get out the door, I don't think it mattered who they were, what they could do. I think it was literally everybody out who can, because that's the only way we're going to reset everything at this club as much as we can at this club. And I think that shows that not one player was offered a new contract last summer. You know, in other years, he may have thought, oh, maybe Nick Powell can have another 12 months. Maybe Morgan Fox deserves another 12 months. But he was like, no, nobody. I don't care what they've done. (laughs) They all need to go (laughs) as many as possible. And obviously that went across the board. So, yeah. um, Well, he's doing all right for himself anyway, isn't he? He's he's in Tel Aviv, in European football and everything now. He's had worse places to be. (laughs) Yeah. how big a result is it then, do you think, this weekend? How well, big a result? Mate, I'm going to be a whole and not and no walkovers. Like we've we've already seen already, you know, in terms of their season, they're they're having a pretty good season. Um 
you know, they they seem to win those really tight battles. They always seem to be on the right side of them generally. Uh, so I think it's going to be bloody difficult. I think it's going to be a very, very tight game as well. I think it'll be 1 0 either way. Um, maybe a, I don't know. Either way, I don't see us losing, but I think if we do win, it's going to be by the one goal. It's not going to be for me here. Yeah, that they mentioned two 0 earlier. It's not going to be two 0 for me. I don't see that at all. Uh, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be a really difficult game. Uh, they're going to come here, be full of confidence, uh, thinking that they can, you know, they can smell blood. They'll, they'll look at us and go, "Well, they haven't, they haven't won in a while. They might be a bit deflated from the Huddersfield game. We know exactly where to hit them now. If we get any chance of getting a set piece, or you know, if you get a little knock at the edge of the box, go down. Um, if you get a chance for a corner, take it." Uh, they, you know, if they've done any of their research, which they would have done, we, our weaknesses are very well known now. So we need to be spending this week. I know we haven't got much time before the next game, but Alex Neal needs to be spending any time this week on the training pitch, sorting out those defensive mistakes. Or else we'll be back to square one yet again. Yeah, I think yeah, you bob on there. Um, that yeah, that's that needs to be the key thing. People don't go walk about at set pieces. Um, know your role, know your, whatever whether that's you're an area, a man, whatever, and just do just do your job. <laughs> that's basic, <laughs> the simple. You know your job, carry out your job. We will not concede at free corners and free kicks if you do that. No, um, no, you know your role. Or what, who do you think you are, The Rock? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jabroni, carry on. <laughs> we have to smack him down on you if you carry on. <laughs> um, oh dear. So, any any changes? You know, obviously, there's going to be one enforced change made to your team because obviously there's no Ben Pearson. As a take it, Jordan Thompson's coming in, as you've already said. Uh, anyone else in and out of your side? Um. Well, you're right, Jordan Thompson does come in. I couldn't find a suitable lamppost to, to put there instead. So um, uh, this is based on fitness now, right? So, I mean, goalkeeper, I'm not going to talk about goalkeepers. It's obvious who goes in. So uh, Stevens at left back, Gooch at right back. I think even if Henry is fit, he doesn't start. Uh, McNally and Wilmot uh, in the centre. Uh, we've got Berger and Loren again, because of lack of mid- midfield options in the, in the middle. Uh, so they those three have to play with, obviously, there. And then we've got Vidigal on the left, Haksabanovic on the right, and Mai in the middle. Tyrese gets dropped for me. I think he deserves to be dropped at the minute. Bit of a kick up the backside, bit of focus, um, and hopefully that'll do in the world of good. But um, So, yeah, 4-3-3, and uh, that's, that's very difficult to change too much more than that, if I'm honest. Okay, so I've got three changes. So Thompson in for um obviously Thompson in for Pearson. Now I'm going back to a four three three formation. I'm gonna give Chamadu a debut at right back. Uh, Rose is gonna be the one dropping out. So Chamadu at right back, we've got McNally and Wilmot, and Gucci is gonna go in back in at left back. Uh, he's quite versatile. He's moving around already into numerous positions. Um, so he's going into left back. Obviously, Thompson, Berger, Loren. Uh, going to have Larice coming in on the right, uh, the right side of the front three. I think his energy will be good for Hull. Like I say, I think we've got to um, 
we, we can't give them time on the ball and think we've got to be good with the ball. And I think Larice will just give us that opportunity and his work rate will help us just lead, you know, lead a high press, a high line. And also Chamadu on his debut there, he's got somebody who's, you know, not half bad defensively as well in front of him. Um, uh, Haxabanovic will be playing on the left. And I've got carried on with Tyrese Campbell down the middle for now. Uh, obviously, that's based on the fact that nobody's retaining from injury. Uh, if Stevens is fit, he comes straight back in. If Fidigal and May are fit, I would bring them back in. Uh, I'm just worried, obviously, if they weren't fit to even be on the bench on Wednesday, I, I don't know if it's possible for them to be fit enough to start come Sunday. That's the only worry um, with the games being so close. Can they go from like 0 to 100 in just three or four days? Um, that without anyone coming back from injury, actually leaves a bench of Bonham, Gale, Rose, Bay, Wesley, um, uh, the, the, Johnson, Sidibe, Lowe, and Joich. So, yeah, a couple of young lads on there. And my prediction, mate, is 2 1. I think Liam Dolap scores for Hull. And then I think we come back and I think goals from, I'm going to say Campbell and Haksabanovic win the game. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say it's 1-0 and Vidigal comes back to save us um, and reinstate his uh, dominance up front. Fantastic. Okay, so we're going to move now. Just last few things we've got. So Gaffer, uh, I am 35th in the Gaffer League, 336 points after getting 44 points this week. Um, my total not helped by the fact that six of my players did not even take to the field this week. <laughs> um, so that didn't help. Uh, number one is my team. That's MMAE team, 555 points. With a nice healthy lead over Anthony Hobbs, 487. He's in second. And uh, we've got Aracia size with 477 in third. Super six. Do you know how you super six got on this week, Mark? Um, pretty abysmally, to be honest. Again, one of those weeks where I think I was I was close. I had like correct scores a few times and then it went completely Pete Tong, mate. Um, I know how you've done because I was really impressed. Uh, I won't steal your thunder, though, so go on. Uh, yes, so you you got eight points this week, which is uh, puts you 70th yeah. of the week. I got 16, which is eighth in our in our division. So, yes, eighth in our league overall in the, for the week, which puts me up to 18th overall with 56 points. Do you know where you are overall, Michael? 68th place with 46 points. So only 10 points behind. Shows how close it is. Don't you know, it's just a couple of correct results. And you're there. Uh, but Ben Dawson, I'd say he leads the way with 71. And then we've got Nicholas Yates, Samuel Cook and Darren Goodall all tied in second place on 64 points. So, well, to everybody mentioned there. Uh, I'm coming for you. That's all I'm saying. I'm coming for them guys at the top. And they're hitting some form. Now, Michael, a very quick, I've got some clues for you. A very quick six times challenge to finish off with. Can you name for me the last six Stoke City games played on a Sunday? Oof, mate, what the hell are you doing? 
Three of them were FA Cup, three of them were league. I'll tell you, they've all been playing... On a Sunday. Since okay. January 2022. If you like... Oh, since? Oh, I, my God. Yeah, so January 2022 onwards. Six. Three at home, three away, three in the FA Cup, three that were moved just because the league games were on Sky. I will give you... I've got... I can name one player or one name to give you a clue for each one. Would you like to do that so we can speed it up a bit? Because it's Mate, that is really tough. Uh, yeah, go on then. Okay, so the most recent one, 29th of January this year, FA Cup, Steve Evans. That's the name I'll give you. Oh, I've been... Um... Sake. Why have I got I've got my buddy Barnsley bed? I don't think it's that. Uh January this year, so that's obviously last season. Um, yeah. Uh it's not Stevenage, is it? It is Stevenage. It is Stevenage. Yes, three one at home in the FA Cup. I don't remember the score line at all. Uh, all all I know is that Steve Evans was is he is he yeah is he's that big? Um, I, I don't want to be too insulting here. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's, um, he's he's packing the pounds. Let's just say that. Yes, he he, he speaks his mind, Steve Evans, doesn't he? And uh, potentially upsets people on the way. <laughs> so um, the next game was the eighth of January, twenty twenty three, three 0 in the FA Cup. It was oh, hold on! Don't give me any clues. Um, oh, for God's sake! Orient, Orient, was it? It was Hartlepool. Oh, was it flipping Hartlepool? Which one? Which one am I thinking for Orient then? Well, if you want to say late in Orient, you would be correct in saying that that was the. The most furthest away on this list, if you like. Oh, okay. Um, 9th of January 2022, which was a 2 0 FA Cup win when Tom Ince and Harris Campbell scored. Um, okay. It's good because out of all the games, that was the one I was struggling to make to find. Oh, right. I, was thinking, I was thinking, what could I say who would like jog his memory? Third on this list was a home game on Sky, 2nd of October 2022, Slavin Bilic. Is the name oh. I'm going to give you? Uh, West Brom. Not West Brom. Oh. Not a miles away. Um, I'll tell you the result. You, you, if they tell you the result, you'll know it because it's yeah. Is well, is it going to give it away? Is it with it with the results? So if it's it can't, result, yeah. so if it's not West Brom. Hold on, who else did he manage? It won't be. Oh, um, is he flipping Watford? Yes. Yeah, 4-0 defeat. I was trying to think who he managed because he's managed Watford, West Ham, West Brom. It was his first game, wasn't it? He was the new manager. Yeah. Bounce for <laughs> yeah. Transfers 4-0. Um, to get right, so a few weeks before that, we were also on Sky in the league. Um, <laughs> and in an away game, 4th of September, 2022. A game we lost 2-1, and I'm going to say Jack Bonham is the name you're getting there. 
Jack Bonham. Oh, God, that's what I wish I could just rule out. That was the stupid, bloody defensive mistake against Reading. Yes, that's the game. <laughs> and then, uh, 16th of January, 2022, a 2-0 league win. And uh, it was away from home, and I'm going to say DiMaggio Wright-Phillips. Oh, away from home. Um, that's... Oh, second, let me just double check. Second, away from home. Yeah, it would have been. I know you've you thrown this in here because if he were playing, it's all, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he started out of the blue with Jacob Brown and got man of the match, didn't he? And, um, and then I think the following week, didn't he score against Fulham after about 20 seconds? And everyone thought we got a superstar in our hands, but unfortunately he's not quite kicked on since then. But yes, uh, that concludes the Six Towers Challenge. Well done. Hey, finally. <laughs> this one I've said was going to be one of the hardest ones as well. I'll take I'll take that. I did get lucky on one of them, the fact that it was one you hadn't even asked, but yeah, okay. Fantastic. So um yeah, I think that wraps up this pod. Like I say, we've got some the numerous podcasts uh for you coming over the next sort of seven or eight days. Um so yeah, make sure your feeds are all switched on, make sure you've subscribed to get them all landing onto your uh, your device wherever you listen to us on and yes let's hope you don't get sick of hearing our dulcet tones but yes three points for the potters on sunday please let's go stoke come on stoke away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.